Do you want to hear from God today? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese to tell us how. God can and does still speak to men today. But the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 is very clear. That God at different times and in diverse manners spoken times past of the Father by the prophet as in these last days spoken unto us by his dear son. Are you being obedient? What has he called you to do? Are you doing it? Are you fulfilling that ministry? Are you giving God the glory? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Apart from a painting or a movie depiction, have you ever wondered what Jesus really looks like? Well, our Heavenly Father has sent us a picture of His Son, and it can be seen in the book of Revelation. Today, as he continues in the brand new series from the book of Revelation, Pastor Xavier helps us gain a more complete view of our precious Savior. Let's listen and learn with today's simple truths. Revelation chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 9 through 20, and the message entitled, The Unveiled Glorified Christ. Have you ever noticed that there's no pictures of Jesus or descriptions of Jesus? There are even attempts to try to describe what he looked like through the Gospels. Yet we have a very clear, uh, emaciated picture of Jesus prophetically in Isaiah. It says he has no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Very possible that means that Jesus will still bear the marks when we see him. The description of Jesus is the one given to John here in the Revelation. It is one of the glorified Christ unveiled to the world. Mark it well. Don't miss that image. He is not weak. He's not before Pilate. He is conquering. He is reigning. He is powerful. John has pronounced his prologue to ensure that all would understand that the revelation was of divine origin. We've seen this. This is God's word. This is not John's suggestion. This is not his you know, heat stroke vision that he got. John has also greeted the seven churches in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in verse 4 down to 8. Now John relates his vision to the glorified Christ, which is characterized by three important things. Let me read for us here. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation of the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ, was in the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, and what you see write in this book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with golden band. His head and hair were like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance were like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell on my feet as dead. 
But he laid his hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Write these things which you have seen. And the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand. And the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. The vision of John, the glorified Christ, is characterized by the following. First, you have the impressionable voice of the vision. Verse 9 through 11. Second, the incredible person in the vision, verse 12 to 16. And thirdly, the inescapable perception of the vision, 17 to 20. The impressionable voice of the vision comes first, 9 through 11. Notice in verse 9, the identity of, of the person hearing was John. The identity, once again, I, John. This is the third time John introduces himself. Five times John identifies himself by his name. Verse 1, verse 4, verse 9, chapter 21, 2, 22, 8. Now, people say, we don't know who wrote the book of Revelation. John. Five times. The humble perspective of John is threefold. Mark it well. First by saying he was a companion in tribulation like they. He was not above them but suffered as one of them. John was humble. People are following man today. I am no different than you. I am one of you and one among you and from you. I have feet of clay like you. You're to follow Jesus, never myself. You're to examine everything through scripture. The word tribulation means pressing together, crushing like for graves and for olive oil. Jesus said to the disciples in the world, shall tribulation be of good cheer, but I have overcome the world in John 16, That's regular tribulation. Even as horrible as it was in World War I, World War II, Hitler, everything. But that's distinct from great tribulation that is coming here in the book of Revelation. That's directly by the Antichrist and by the throne of God against a God-forsaking, rejecting world. Paul confirmed the souls of the new converts, as you know, and exhorted them that they must enter the kingdom of God through much tribulation in Acts 14.22. Paul went out preaching the gospel. Churches started rising up. And he reminded them, you will suffer as a Christian. Now when's the last time you heard one of our evangelists tell you that? It's always, hey, you want your life changed? You want to feel better? No, that's half truth. God, that will happen. Jesus said, pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. That's the gospel. That's not what's being preached often today. Everybody's real positive. Nobody wants to make just judgments that are ob- objective truth. Nobody wants to offend anybody. Let me tell you, it's time for people to be offended in a greater way in the United States. Peter said, we should not think it strange when we fall into fiery trials of 1 Peter 4.12. That's for here and now. That's distinct from the great tribulation. Now, the kingdom has already been present and it's active and it's still going on. Revelation 1.6 told us, but it's yet to come in its complete form. Revelation 20 verse 4, the kingdom will be here. So it's present and it's yet to come. So, by saying he was in the kingdom like they, that's the second aspect of his humility. He doesn't exalt himself. And thirdly, 
by saying, in the patience of Jesus Christ, this describes how he was going through the difficulty. Patience, hupomone. It means here, steadfast, consistent endurance. Not simply biting the bullet and getting by, but growing and learning the suffering lessons. God does not just want to make us suffer just to see how much we can squirm, but that I might use those things to grow and to mature and be more like Him. Here again is humility, less like Him and more like Jesus. You don't hear none of that today, all about the positive and, and what you can do. And we've gone from the hope of Christ to community, from the organism of the church to organization. Suffering has always purified the church. Comfort has always destroyed and polluted it. Notice the location was the island of Patmos. The island was um, of the Aegean Sea or the Mediterranean, 25 miles off the mainland, and 40 miles west, southwest of Miletus. Remember Miletus, Paul met there with the Ephesians for the last time in Acts 20. And then he went on to uh, Jerusalem, then to Rome. Now, the island was a rocky volcanic place about 10 miles long and 6 miles wide. Uh, the north end was used by Rome as a prison island out there. Tacitus tells us that. And um, Hippolytus said John was exiled after being boiled in oil, but he survived. And uh, Eusebius mentions that John was banished there by the emperor Domitian in the 95 AD and then released about 18 months later. And you find that in the, um, it was released by, by uh, Nerva in uh, Ecclesiastes history. You find that in volume 3. Now Domitian died in September 18th of 96 AD. Therefore the revelation here probably was written somewhere between 95 and 96 AD. So John writes this as well as his gospel. Very last apostle that's alive. Irenaeus and others say John returned to be the pastor of Ephesus after the exile. Now you stop and think about it. Paul left Timothy in Ephesus. Then John comes along as a pastor. And after John, his disciple uh, Polycarp was the, was the pastor. Three incredible men. Listen to me. The first church we're going to see, God has one thing against them. You have left your first love. For you to say, I would never leave my first love, you must think really highly of yourself. Every one of the apostles, when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, every one of them said, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? And everybody pushes eternal security today. Really? What is it that you're not hearing? Amazing to me. Notice the reason was for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's why he was in the, in the island. Persecution. America has not known persecution against Christianity. But I do believe Christian Disneyland is just about over. That's going to put us right up against the law. We must obey God rather than man. That's where we draw the line. And I do think that persecution is coming to America. Make no mistake of it. First from within, then from without. The gospel message is the only way of salvation. Be careful of today's pressure for ecumenicalism. Again, you've got the marriage of the Catholic Church that lost so many souls during the Protestant Reformation. 
and let alone through the Jesus movement. And now she is calling back her children, her wayward children, back to the Catholic Church. And they're expanding their ability to believe in the gifts, this and that. But they still speak the same lies. They call anathemas against the Protestants and everything else. And all the evangelicals made a big covenant with the Catholic Church. And she is strong and alive today. And the emergent church and the, emer- and the, uh, and the seeker-friendly church and all these guys, they're all in the ecumenicalism. You need to understand the gravity of the day that we're living. Look at verse 10. The indicated manner of reception of the vision is stated. John tells us he was not in the Lord's day. Many interpret this to be Sunday. The only other place for this phrase is when Paul used it for the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11.30. Now we know the church met on Sunday, the first day of, of the week. Uh, we see it in Acts, we see it in 1 Corinthians 16.2. Others interpret this to mean that John was taken up to the future, to the very day of the Lord. The major objection to this interpretation is due to the two appearances, but the context of each of them is completely different, so there shouldn't be. To the Corinthians, the meaning is clear. It is Sunday. But it is equally clear that the context here in Revelation is not the gathering of the church, but the period of God pouring out His wrath, which John gets caught up in the Spirit to see the events in Revelation 3.10, So, I believe this is the proper interpretation. Certainly no one would deny that the majority of the content of the book of Revelation is the day of the Lord from chapter 4 to 22. So the context determines that this is the John was taken up to that day and he saw these things and he's recording these things. Notice John heard behind him a loud voice as of a trumpet. The voice was impressive and it caught John's attention. This is called a simile, a figure of speech showing comparison represented by the words like or as, that's how it's introduced. This is figurative language, not a literal tump, trumpet perhaps, but it could be. But it's a trumpet that announces what's going on. If someone says he, was, he ran fast as lightning, it doesn't mean that they were lightning, that just, but they were fast, right? But remember, we see this figurative language, but the implications are literal events, okay? And the trumpets of old through the Old Testament... This Israel had all kinds of trumpets for different things, for peace, for war, for different things, for picking up the camp and setting it up. And so there should be no reason. There's uh, different trumpets for different things. There are many trumpets in the New Testament. The trumpet of uh, the rapture or for the rapture, you have it in 1 Corinthians 15.52 and 1 Thessalonians 4.16. At the last trumpet of sound. The trumpet of judgment that we see through the book of Revelation. A6 is one of them. The trumpet that gathers Israel at the end of the seven years of the great tribulation. Matthew twenty four thirty one. So the context is going to tell you what that trumpet is referring to and in connection to. Notice the identity of the voice in verse 11. An intent was declared proclaiming to him his commission. The one speaking was the Lord Jesus Christ. The Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last. The first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet here. He is the eternal one, the source, the end of all things, the creator, the sustainer, the judge of all of mankind. God is not politically correct. He wants you to not be politically correct. He doesn't want you to bow the knee to Caesar. Only the book of Revelation refers to God as the Alpha, the Omega four times. Revelation 1, 8, 11, 21, 6, and 22, 13. 
The first and the last appears four times in the book of Revelation. 111, 117, 28, and 2213. Key things that are found only in the book of Revelation and not other places often. Now notice the Lord Jesus commanded John to write in the book what he saw in the vision and commissions him to send it to the seven churches of Asia. This would include the entire book of the Revelation. Only what John saw, what he wrote, this was divine revelation. None of the words in the vision recorded are his own opinion or suggestions. It's God's revelation, divine, and God's inspiration, marking and ensuring the accuracy and errancy of it. There are 13 other direct references given to John to write. 111, 119, 21, 28, 212, 218. You look up the rest. Write, 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 13 times. What is it that we don't understand? He was to write what he saw. All seven are chosen by Jesus by name of the churches here. Notice which a letter would be addressed to in the following chapters. Each one specifically is addressed as we'll examine them. The seven churches are located in the area of modern day Turkey today. The seven did not comprise all the existing churches, but the seven are used to give a complete representation of the condition of the church in John's day and the entire church age. Often the number seven is used to represent completeness. And this is very evident in the book of Revelation. You have seven stars, seven spirits, seven lampstands, seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, seven angels. It appears 54 times in the book of Revelation. Do you think this is all coincidence? All seven churches were to receive all the seven letters. In fact, as I said, the entire book of Revelation. To Ephesus, he says, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. They were local churches in John's day. They represent a historical period in church history, as we'll see. And they represent a type of church for today. And they represent a type of Christian for today. So you can be a Laodicean lukewarm in an Ephesian church that teaches the word of God, but has left their first love. You can be an Ephesian in a Laodicean church. And you're shining bright. You get to judge yourself who you are. You remember Joshua saw a man with a sword drawn as they came into the land. He said, are you for us or for our adversary? He, and he said, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord Yahweh, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant, Joshua 5.14. You see, he, he saw Jesus Christ before the incarnation. This is the understanding every time God appeared to somebody. They didn't say, hey, dude, how's it going? See, pastors are real modern today. They want to be so cool with the young people. There's no reverence in the pulpit for God and his word. Each of us as Christians have heard and do hear the voice of the Lord as clear as John. 
when he convicted us of our sin and we call upon his name. When we read and study the word of God on a daily basis, he ministers to us. When we obey or disobey, he commends us, he tells us he loves us or he reproves us and chastens us. When we ask him to direct and guide us, he does so. When he calls us, we respond. When we call upon him to enable us to minister, he does so. Remember what Jesus said. He says, take heed what and how you hear. Mark 4, 24 and Luke 8, 18. Today, people are not taking heed on what they hear and how they hear. We're going from the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the imminent expectation of his return to community. And let's make each other comfortable. God can and does still speak to men today. But the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 is very clear. That God at different times and in diverse manners spoken times past to the Father by the prophet. As in these last days spoken unto us by a dear son. Period. He speaks to nobody else. He is the ultimate revelation. Anybody who points you to somebody else besides Jesus Christ. He's a thief and a robber. Get away from them. God is a promise that he can still speak through dreams and visions today. Now sometimes we people want to go to the other extreme and say it's not for today. Well listen, uh, Peter in Acts 2.17, quoting Joel, he says in the last days your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, right? That's all the way to the great tribulation. He never separated it. Now when I first became Christian, I was a young man, 23 years old. I never had a vision. Now I'm an old man. I haven't had a dream. But if I did, it wouldn't contradict the word of God. So the word of God is the plumb line. And if your dream or vision contradicts the word, you're out to lunch. And when you have that dream, don't go to a pastor to interpret it. In my Bible, there's no gift of interpretation of dreams or vision in the list of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, only Joseph and Daniel were given you believe God's giving you a vision or a dream, then you go to Him. But if it is of Him, He will show you personally what He wants in your life, but it won't contradict the Word of God. It won't add to the Word of God, and it won't take away from the Word of God. Or maybe you just had some bad pizza the night before. But don't just exclude the last days. He's going to have to give dreams and visions. And that moves into the Great Tribulation period. When God's going to deal with people, they will be losing their life. What has Jesus commissioned you to do for him? Are you being obedient? It isn't to just sit and do nothing. You fit somewhere in the body. What are you doing? What has he called you to do? Are you doing it? Are you fulfilling that ministry? Has it made you more humble or has it puffed your head up? John is here, the last apostle. He's humble. He's serving. Are you giving God the glory? That's why any pastor who can explain what God has done in their ministry and give out a formula and how others can multiply and get accused churches, I can tell you that God hasn't done it. If you can explain why and how God has done it, it's not God. It's man. I can't tell you how God has done it here except that he's done it through his word. But I can't write you a book at it. There are no patterns. 
There is no glory to me. It's all to Jesus Christ what he's done and what he continues to do. This was the impressionable voice in the vision. Pastor Xavier Reese reminding us with today's simple truths that it's all about Jesus when it comes to who deserves our glory. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But you can also request your own CD copy of today's encouraging study from the book of Revelation called The Unveiled Glorified Christ. They're available upon request for just $4. And make sure you pass it along to a friend or loved one when you're through listening. The title to ask for once again is The Unveiled Glorified Christ. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. It's hard to resist a good court drama on TV or in the movies. But Pastor Xavier Reese says no one will miss God's final judgment as he ushers in ultimate justice for good and evil. Next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com